Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Edenbrook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Today, I'm talking with Natasha Owens in front of a live audience once again at Life Fest Music Festival in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Today is our last episode to be in front of a live audience, so I'm super excited that you're here to be a part of it. Today, Natasha shares how her first ever concert that she performed was opening for Michael W. Smith, which is a huge accomplishment for an independent artist. Also, she's going to talk about learning life lessons from another artist that everybody knows, Jason Crabb, who is an amazing Christian music artist, one of the best artists in, in all of music, in my opinion. We discuss what it's like to tour with a full band and the costs and challenges of owning your own production and tour bus and paying a large crew on the road, because this is something that's very unique that she gets to do as an independent artist, to be able to have a full touring production and a tour bus, which is really cool and really, really hard. <laughs> Plus, when doing music ministry, how God does not call the equipped, he equips who he calls. Please enjoy my conversation today with Natasha Owens. All right, well, we'll get started. Thank you guys so much for hanging around and joining us. My name is John Martin Keith. I am a recording artist and a songwriter and a worship pastor and a producer and a booking agent and a podcast host and... All of it. All of it. A lot of it. I do... I'm kind of a jack-of-all-trades kind of person in music. Um, so I, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, and um, John Doherty, who's the festival director, we've known each other for like 21 years or something like that, when he was a stagehand starting out at Life Fest, first time I played here, and so we've kind of come up the ranks together, him going into becoming the director of this whole thing, <laughs> and me going off and doing music, and um, so grateful to get to be here and be with you guys. The, the podcast title says you can make a living in the music industry so you may be thinking well I don't do music and I don't want to do music so uh, don't leave you please hang out and and listen and uh, you might learn you might learn something that you didn't know be interested in Um, but if you are interested in music is is anybody do music Anybody play music all right we got a couple awesome Um, regardless please feel free to ask questions as we kind of get into this my guest is Natasha Owens Please say hello to Natasha. Hello. She is from Texas, correct? Correct. And she does music. Is you performing today, right? Yes. Where are you performing? Uh, at the cafe at 315. That was where I performed at 315 yesterday. So cool. the cafe stage is right across here, the big giant tent in the middle of the parking lot here. Go see her at 315 today and listen to her and her music. Um, so what we're going to do is I'm just going to, we're going to kind of hear your story. What got you into music growing up? 
um, and ask some questions that people are interested in kind of knowing what you do and how you do it and if anybody's interested in wanting to do music on the degree that you've done it then um, hopefully we can give some advice yeah. and those types of things so we're just gonna have a conversation so tell us where you're from and what got you started in music I live in Dallas Texas and I come from a musical family but never wanted to be in the forefront because I had severe anxiety and so I always pray sang or set, stood in the back of the choir but never forward and 11 years ago my dad passed away he was cleaning his guns at the table and there was a bullet in the chamber and it went off and hit him in the heart and life as I knew it was gone I down spiraled into a deep depression after the first year and six months into my depression, my pastor called and said, I need you to be our music minister. And I said, I can't get out of bed every day. I'm depressed. And I, I have such anxiety, I can't step forward and be that for you. And so he kept calling and he kept calling. And he called on a day that the devil had already convinced me that the world would be a better place without me. So he, it saved my life. He called and he said, I just want you to listen. I want you to get up out of bed and I want you to follow the footsteps that God wants you to do and I said I don't think I can do that and he said it's a process just trust him and so he said are you tired of feeling the way that you're feeling and I said yes and he said then this is your way out I feel like this is your last lifeline so I accepted that that day it took me years to dig out I had to go get through anxiety I had to dig through depression, recovery, but God was calling me to a place that I didn't know, and that was a training ground for what I'm doing now. So my story is very backwards, and it's very long, but my very first concert was with Michael W. Smith on a massive stage. My manager had called and said, do you want to sing for him? And I said, no, I don't have a band. I've never sang these songs live. I'm having a panic attack. And he said, just pray it's October 3rd and I said I'll do it and he said what made you change your mind I said that's my dad's birthday so God was in the details knew that he had to put that out different different signals out there to know that I'm going in the right path so that's how I started I really didn't want to step foot on a big stage to minister to be in the spotlight but God always gets you out of your comfort zone doesn't he does so okay let's let's back up for a second um you have a manager yes so what what got you into music to the point that you needed a manager to begin with how long had you been doing music before that and not not at all i was a music minister for three or four years that church kind of fell apart and i was in the floor one night i had resigned and i said to god i just feel like you have more for me the next day a guy from nashville who was a producer we had brought him in to do choir clinics and things like that. He texted and said, have you ever thought about doing a CD? And I said, why do you ask? Do you know that I just resigned? And he said, no, I did not know that, but you've been on my heart since this morning. So I said, I know I need to do a CD that's a restoration project that helps people through a trial, but I didn't know who it was for. Okay. So once the CD was completed, it got in the hands of someone that worked for me into in the hands of a big manager in New York and um, he had never helped anybody in the Christian genre before he, he's been in the rock and pop genre for 20 years and he said I feel like God wants me to help you I feel something different in your music wow. and that's how it all started 
So your first big show as a solo artist is playing for Michael W. Smith, yeah. opening for him. Yes. I mean, that. so that's super cool. That doesn't happen normally. That's a very rare thing in music, in the music business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the music industry is built on relationships. Um, if you go back and listen to my podcast, there's two seasons of it out currently. So if you go back and listen to all the episodes, everything you hear pretty much in every single episode is that the music business is built on relationships. It's all who you know. Yeah. You can be amazingly talented and get a record deal or a publishing deal or opportunities to go perform. You can be mediocre talented and get those same opportunities if you work really, really hard. And there are amazingly talented people that will never do anything. Right. To the point that you're having CDs, you're out playing concerts, people know who you are. And then there's people that, you know, that are decent. You know, they got great songs. They got they don't have a great voice, but they have a unique voice, right? All these different things. But you've either worked really, really hard to get to whatever that is, or an opportunity. You've developed these relationships, and it's usually it's a combination of those two right. things. You got an amazing voice. You got amazing music, and you had you've developed a relationship with someone who could put you in that that position right. that most people don't get. So congratulations on that opportunity. You. you know. So tell us what it was like. Performing from with Michael W. Smith or opening for him, just you and your guitar? Piano? No, I had a full band. Okay, you did have a full band. Had a full band and even backup singers. I felt like I needed everything at that yeah. point. Uh, it was a massive stage, probably ten thousand people. Sean Hannity was in the in the crowd. Oh really? Yeah, I didn't know him and Michael are really good friends. Oh really? Okay. So I had that one concert and I had prepared and then I didn't have anything on the books and I didn't know what to do. Okay. And I, I went to bed that night and said, God guide me. And the next, keep going. Keep going. Yo, keep several going. days after that, a girl uh, that I went to church with sent me an email and she said, I don't know what this means, but I feel like um, I had a dream. And in the dream, it just kept saying that I made it through is not the true message that rising above is and he will take you there on wings. And I called her and said, do you know that I have a CD called I Made It Through? And she said, I had no idea. So I knew that was the answer from God. So my second CD was Rising Above. And then that led to an Overcomer album called Warrior. Every album that I've done is another chapter of my recovery. Okay. So tell us, you said that your music, you call it Restoration. Tell, what's the full title that you've given? Yeah, I just call it Restoration Music. It's okay. music for, for the broken, to give people hope, to let okay. them know that God loves them. Okay. How many of us are broken to some degree, right? We're all broken. We live in a sinful world. You know, we've all got our struggles and things that we deal with that make life hard. The thing that I love about music is that it's that universal language, right? That has, whether it's something that God has put into music, it's got healing properties to a, to a certain degree. I'm not getting into like crazy weird stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But, um, but music has this ability to to speak to you, right? In a way, in ways that words can't do sometimes. And when, but when you can combine those things, amazing lyrics that are, that are strong and deep and heartfelt and have true meaning and purpose right. to them, and you put that together with great music, um, especially when there's the message of the gospel in it, right. you know, those things, it's, it could be life-changing. And God works to those things. I'm so grateful to get to be a part of that. Um, what is your most important song to you? 
Do you have one that's for you personally is most important to you, favorite? Yeah, I, I have anthem songs on each CD that, I, that is so important to me, and that's the reason why I put them as my anthem songs. I Made It Through is very important to me because it, it talks about the whole process of those years compact into one song of God getting me through it mm -hmm. when it seemed like it was my darkest day. And then We Will Rise came about kind of cool. And uh, just in a very unique way where God breathed into that song. And that's all about rising above a trial. So that's very important to me. And then Warrior is my anthem for that third album. And um, it's just it's such an overcoming song that God is with you through that battle. And that you are a warrior. You come out with scars that, you, that are, are your testimony. And yeah. you shouldn't be ashamed of those scars. Yeah. So let's back up for a minute and talk about... When did you start playing music first? As a kid, like, were you taking you take lessons for guitar, piano, or what? Tell us. Yeah, about. I took lessons on the piano. I was such a tomboy growing up, okay. and my mother forced me to take piano, which I hated every second of it. And I finally wore her down after like a year. I wished I hadn't have because I can hear and I can go play something, but I don't officially. I'm right. not good enough read to play music. in front of people or read music. Yeah, yeah I can hear it though. So how old were you when you started taking lessons? Seven. Okay. And you took for one year. Took for one year. But you play now. I don't play now. Okay, you don't play now. I do enough to write a song okay. or pick out parts, okay. but I don't play. My sister started playing at three years old. Okay. My grandmother started playing at three. I have just this unbelievable history throughout my family where they can just pick up any instrument and play it. I don't have that ability, and I think it's because my anxiety sometimes shuts me down, shuts the creativity down sometimes. Sure. So, um, were you writing, when, when did you start writing music, writing songs? So my first album, I didn't think I had the ability to write. I'd never written a song. And um, so we pulled all these writers and I picked 10 songs that I related to or that meant so much to me that I felt God had written them for me. Other writers. Other writers. Okay, so you're, yeah. So that was the first album. The okay. second album, my husband has this crazy faith, just so crazy. And he, for six months, was trying to find his place in my ministry. He can't play and he's tone deaf completely. But I kept telling him, you're my anchor. You kind of hold me together. And he said, I want to I want to be a part of the ministry. So he prayed. He said, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm either going to play like Liberace or sing like Pavarotti. And I'm like, OK, whatever. So it didn't happen at all. He was still tone deaf the next day. So three days later, he comes to me and he says, I keep having this dream that plays out in my head like a music video because we're kids of the 80s, right? Like an MTV music video. And he started telling me about it. And I said, that's exactly how I felt in the midst of my depression. Write that down. That's a song. So we got the head of my band who played guitar. He sat down and we wrote our very first song that went on the second album. And then that led to every song being written by a dream or a collaboration with my husband. Um, and that's the way it's been from, from then on. He has notebook after notebook after notebook of dreams. So your, your husband is, became the songwriter. What my husband became the, um, I don't know, I guess the antenna. Yeah. To where, to where he was able to sit down and yes, he became a songwriter. So, uh, okay, so I'm curious then, after your dad passed away, and I'm so sorry, that's, I mean, yeah. that's, I can't imagine It's tough. That. I've lost my dad, but not to that extent. Yeah, you know, it's sorry. a different thing. Um, but after that, then you were invited to become a music minister at a church. 
correct? Yes, correct. Okay. So uh, I'm trying to put all the, pe the puzzle pieces together. It's such a long story, I don't know exactly what to tell you. No, you're good. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, uh, did, did the person at your church that wanted you to come be, be that position, were you singing before that? Were you playing music before that? How did he know to say, we want you to come be the yeah. music I was praise singing at that church okay. and was over the praise singers for organizing them and so forth. Okay. And then I, I took a back seat when I went through depression and all of that. So okay. he needed one, and I, I thought he was being really selfish. I'm like, you just need somebody. Go find somebody else. But it was God using him to save my life yeah. and give me a second chance. Absolutely. And so now you're out touring. You're playing yeah. a live fest. Yes. How often, how many shows do you play a year? When we started off, we were about 250 dates a year. Okay. Um, and, you know, I and was when, just taking... When, when was this? When did you start? This was eight years ago. Okay. After the, seven years ago on the road, after we created the first album eight years ago, seven years on the road. I, I, for two years, I was on the road with Jason Crabb, who yeah. is Southern Gospel. Oh, yeah. And once I got more established in contemporary... Um, I was I had to choose Southern Gospel or Contemporary. I couldn't do both. You just kind of get it. There's just a, a big thick it. line. He's, he's he's tried. He's riding that line. He's tried as best as anybody can. Yeah, do you know I who Jason him, Crab is? The Crab family. You need to look up Jason yeah. Crab. This dude has got yeah. a voice that he's will light you on fire. So good. And that was my very first tour, and I was so intimidated. This happened so quickly and so backwards. I felt so intimidated and. And, and he's a Grammy winner. And he sat me down and he said, Tosh, I know you struggle with anxiety. He said, God never calls the equipped, but he always equips who he calls and rest in that. And from that point on, I embraced it rather than being fearful of it. Yeah. And he taught me a lot being on the road with him. So tell us some things. So living on the road and touring as an artist <laughs> and doing all this stuff is, it's not for everybody. You are, no. you most people this is what you've wanted to do your whole life this is what i've wanted to do my whole life i've always wanted to be since i was four years old i started playing guitar when i was four wow taking lessons and when i was five years old my dream was to be on the grand Ole opry playing a lead guitar for for another artist yeah and that that has not happened yet but my life is not over yet yeah, it's not. <laughs> that, that could still happen but uh i've got plenty of friends who play on the opry all the time um but as I became a teenager, I started writing my own music. I wanted to do Christian music. I wanted to be an artist and, and worship leader and all those types of things. So that that sort of sidesteps all that kind of stuff. But I've loved, I've always wanted to be on the road touring. And I love living this life and doing this. My family usually comes with me um, most of the time. And, you know, we kind of have a family ministry in that, in that sense. Wow. You know, but... When you're out touring with Jason Crabb or Michael W. Smith and, the, and you're on a tour bus or a van or whatever it is and you're gone many many dates in a row what is that like for you guys what was it like when you're touring with jason crab well any tour is like groundhog day have y'all seen that movie <laughs> you wake and up and, and it's the same thing over and over if i was younger it would be the greatest thing in the world yeah. i'm older and it's just hard for these old people to be on the road it just <laughs> is i mean you've got a bus but i don't sleep very well you bounce all night long and you wake up in the next destination and you load in. It's an all day affair. You have a concert, you load out. It's one o'clock when you leave, you hit a Waffle House because it's the only thing open. Waffle House all the way, I love it. 
and then you wake up in the next destination and you don't even know where you're at, right? So, but it's so much fun. I mean, you're, you're compacted in a bus with 10 other people. You have to like them, right? Yep. We've had lots of drama and that drama had to go because you just can't have drama in yep. close quarters like that, you know? Yep. yep. So, Riding on a, t- are you doing the big giant tour bus, like yeah. the full pre- Prevost. Yeah, we have we have an like MCI star bus with a with a bedroom in the back. Okay, so how many of you guys have always wanted to be on a tour bus, just to even experience being on a, you know, not not to ride on one necessarily, but just to be <laughs> in one to live it. Yeah, right. Yeah. I got to do that years ago. Um, I've never traveled on a tour bus, but. Um, I call it a boat because that means break out another thousand. Right. That's what it means. Because they're so expensive. So expensive. So like. You you change out a cord and you have to take out the entire couches and the entire kitchen. I mean, it's just ridiculous how compact they are. So. So when you're playing shows now, and we're going to do some questions here, let the audience ask some questions here in a minute. But, um, what types of venues are you playing mostly right now? It depends on the tour. Um, probably 80% is churches. Okay. And then sometimes you have arenas, sometimes you have um, big basketball courts, like yep. at University of Arkansas or something where they set up a stage. Sometimes uh, it's theaters, yep. uh, not movie theaters, but yep. like performance theaters or the theaters on college campuses hold you know a thousand or two thousand people yeah so it are, just depends are you doing full band or are you doing acoustic stuff sometimes full or? band i um all the, all the time yeah i just i was raised to and i know it's a lot it's a lot cheaper to go out just with a track rig and a computer and maybe a drummer but my dad just instilled in me if you're going to do something do it to the best of your ability and god's blessed us and so we we roll out the full production full screen, full band, everywhere we go. It doesn't matter if it's 20 people or 20,000. That's awesome. Yeah. What I, here's one of the things I love about what, about music and about Life Fest. You're opening Michael W. Smith. You tour with Jason Crabb. Have you played main stage at Life Fest or a fest? I haven't played you know? at Life Fest. And that's okay. Yeah. Playing this the cafe is the first stage. year. This is your first year at Life Fest ever? First year at Life Fest, and then awesome. I'm going to sing in Nashville in a couple weeks. Are you coming to Nashville? Yeah, awesome. I am. How many of you guys know that there's going to be a Nashville Life Fest in two weeks? It's going to be the inaugural event, so we're super, super excited. So I'm going to be doing a bunch of stuff at that one. Um, so I look forward to, to that. Uh, but what I love is that, you know, everybody knows the main stage artists. And if you're not playing the main stage, a lot of times you're, th- this is just in general, this is not. The audience that's sitting here right now but people in general sometimes think well if you're not on the main stage you're not as good yeah right as who as newsboys or matthew west or whatever but that's obviously not true if you're you know you wouldn't be doing what you're doing if you you know out with michael w or jason crab are the, the music that every artist is doing is valuable it is important right it's not just the main stage right. artists so um, but that's what's, and you're living proof of that, that you're, you're able to, you don't have to play the main stage. That's just a fraction. The, the music industry, the people that we know on the radio and TV and headlining festivals and whatever, that's the fraction. That is like 0.1% of the 1% of whatever. That's what, who everybody knows. But that, there are millions and millions of artists that under that, yeah. that are out doing just as important things as well. And so it's trying to get an audience to know who you are. Right. So 
you got a new audience here, and that's exciting. I'm so excited for that. Let's let the audience ask some questions. Does anybody have any have a question? We're going to have a microphone. If you do, um, for you got any questions for Natasha, and um, would love, regardless if it's music or or anything. Anybody have any questions? Yeah. Okay. So as as a musician myself, um, I recently took lessons, and my instructor talked to me about like best way to get gigs and whatnot, and you know. As a Christian musician, it, it, it can be difficult sometimes because some of, the, some of the gigs that are in the area are not necessarily environments that you want to put yourself in. Like you said, well, this, this bar or this pub owner, they got this gig, and it's just kind of like, well, I don't necessarily want to do that. So you got any practical advice as to how to get gigs as a Christian artist uh, and still consistently perform? Goodness, you know, it's hard. And it's, it's exactly what he said. It's all in who you know. A lot of times when I need like a guitar player or a fill-in bass player or whatever, if, if someone can't, can't make a, a tour date, it's, it's really, oh, I know a guy. I know a guy. And so it's such a small world in Nashville, but there's so many musicians. And a lot of musicians move to Nashville because of that reason. It's just getting the contacts and getting to know people, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, as, far, as far as like venues, if you're trying to find new venues to play as a Christian music artist, um, let me ask you, that, let, let me kind of rephrase it just for a second for Natasha. You have a booking agent now? Yes. So who does your booking for you? Uh, Scott Caldwell. Scott Caldwell. So Scott is the one who is fielding venues for you. Yes. So he's So she's in a position where She's got a booking agent that's going out and finding shows for her, right? You are wanting, as an artist, to find venues for yourself. You don't have a booking agent necessarily doing it for you, correct? Is that right? Yeah. Correct. Okay. So what I do, because I'm my own booking agent as well, I do booking for some other artists as, in addition. Um, but really the best thing that you can do at this point is try to find the venues that you're wanting to play. If it's churches or coffee houses or you know whatever that is um is going online you know google everybody uses google right uh duck duck go <laughs> the, the same the safer version i guess of google um you know but going on and looking up the types of venues that you're wanting to play if you're wanting to play at a church you're wanting, you know are you looking to do um the church as a whole are you looking to do the college ministry the youth ministry the kids ministry, depending on what style of music you're wanting to do and the audience that you're trying to reach in that context, right? Finding the pastor, the, the worship pastor or the youth pastor, kids pastor, reading up on who they are. Here's, this is a really important thing for me because I do a lot of research on churches for different, as far as booking shows, but also for some other things that I do. Um, and I always want to read who the church is, what their doctrine statement is, find out you know that they are biblically sound because you'd be surprised unfortunately how many churches are in this day and age are really off kilter on what on what doctrine and theology is so i always want to make sure that wherever i'm booking shows and i'm sure you guys are the same way um that those things are legit okay and if they aren't just avoid it if they are good then they got a, they've always got a phone number or an email or an Instagram or a Facebook. All those guys do now. And so, and just reach out to them and say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. I would love, I'm looking to come do some shows. 
Just reach out, cold call. Yeah, that's I mean, what I was going I mean, to say. Honestly, There's nothing wrong with that. We do that as well. Yeah, I mean, I do it all the time. You know, and give them your website. If you've got a website, make sure, okay, this is super important. Make sure you have a website. Because everyone's, I mean, yeah. we live in a digital, online, social media world. So you either need to have a, a website or at least a Facebook page. I would say, I would definitely Both. prefer a website. Both is good. But if you have to have one or the other, you definitely need to get a website. Even, you could build your own now. I mean, it's super easy. But you really do need to have something because if they can't find you, um, or if it's really cruddy looking, it looks like it was built in 1993 when the internet first started. <laughs> you know, you can tell. And if it looks if it's like, like you're not staying up to date on those types of things, then that really is a turn off to people. So that's maybe a little, a lot more information that you wanted, but those are some some key that's, points. That's that for the me. number one thing any artist needs to do is a website. You got to have a landing point. You got to have somebody to go and be able to, you know, get yeah. to your get to your music. Yeah. Do you have a website? No, I do not. The, yeah. This there you is, go. Yeah. There you go. So, so, there you go. There you go. So you need to have a website. You need to have, do you have recorded music. Not yet. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So you're okay. you're just starting all this, yeah. and that's okay. great because the people listening to the podcast that are there's plenty of people that are exactly where you are right now that are wanting to do it. You know how to, you're playing music, you're writing music, but you need to record something, even if it's even if you just record a demo, an acoustic demo, or a piano, vocal, guitar, vocal, or whatever. Even if that's all you're doing, you know, get a well-produced version of that. It doesn't have to be fancy. It just needs to be clean and clear and sound sound good. And then put two or three songs up on on, on a website on what what's the Squarespace or one of those things you know and just give people some pictures your your write a bio up put some songs out on there so people know where to come and listen to you. Actually, you can sign up for a website called CD Baby. Oh yeah. Yeah, I heard that, of that will upload your your music and it will put it to iTunes and all kind of streaming. You know, you got You got to build a foundation. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Another question? We got a question right here. All right. Yeah, just had a question about specifics. When you're on the road, are you carrying your own mics, your own lighting, your electricians, your musicians, your <laughs> instruments, and everything? Everybody but an electrician. Um, we carry we carry all of our subs, our our mics, our speakers, everything. All of our instruments. We carry uh, the towers that hold the lights, a whole lighting rig, as well as a. 30-foot screen that yep. goes in the middle and so we have band and then we have crew guys sound light guys and everybody helps load in and get it get it all set up if we need an electrician the church usually provides that for us and sometimes we do sometimes they don't have a big enough uh, circuit box yeah. for us so if you were here last night for the newsboys if you watched their show or any of the ones before those each one of those artists every time an artist played their show yesterday on the main stage, that was their rig. That was their setup. For the most part, that was like their backdrops, that was all their instruments, all their gear. And then when they would tear down, and you had 15, 20 minutes in between the next artist, they were setting up the next one. They were pulling their gear in front of that, setting that up. So Newsboys, all that, all the video panels and lighting, all that kind of stuff, that's their stuff. You know, the, the event and, is, is providing yeah. the people to help put it all together. Um, and a lot of the big artists, they have to have 18 wheelers to accommodate all of that. We've got a massive 15-foot trailer that's 10 feet tall, but we've outgrown it. Now we have speakers inside the bus, so we're having to go to a box truck now Nice. in order to provide the level of show that we want to do. That's awesome. Yeah. So I played a show a couple years ago, and I usually take my own sound system 
for to do stuff. And for whatever reason, I didn't take it to this particular venue. And sound check went great. I was using the, their house, you know, system. And sound check went great. Was so excited. And then right as we got started, it cut out. The system did. And and I was flipping out. And you know, yeah, we're trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know. And Plan B. And eventually, it it sort of worked, but it was like a C minus you know, show, in my opinion, and, um... It always happens when people are there that my, you know. And, yeah, my family time. was there, and <laughs> people I knew, and I was just like, oh, man. Um, you know, it just, things happen. It's what it is, but that that just reinforced it in my mind. It's like, okay, always take your own gear, because there's always going to be problems. Right. Always going to be problems. Um, so that's something that we always try to do. Anybody else have a question? Yes, over here. His question made me think about, um, so how many people are really on your crew, and how do you get them all there, and how much does it actually cost to do with that whole sh Jeez. one show? That is a great question. A fortune. Um, the tour bus, my tour bus has six bunks in the middle, so the front is a living room area and a kitchen, and then you go into the, the middle part, and it's six bunks. They have their own DVD players and air conditioning and all of that, and then you have um, a bedroom in the back. We've outgrown that bus because we have four musicians, four, four band members, and then we have sound and lights, but we need more crew guys. So right now, the crew guys are on the two couches in the front. So we have eight guys, we need nine. So we are now getting a bus that has 12 bunks in the middle and no bedroom for me in the back. So I've got to climb up into a, a top bunk. I'm so claustrophobic that I have to be in a top bunk and seeing me try to get into a bunk whenever it's moving is pretty entertaining. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So for the cost, each musician costs a daily rate. And, uh, you know, it ranges from 250 to $300 a day per musician. Light and sound guys are 300 a day. Uh, the grunt labor guys are 250 a day. So you add all of that up. Uh, if you're on the road and you've got an off day, you know, most artists pay half that rate for, like, travel. I don't. I think that it's their time and they're on the road, so I pay them a full rate no matter what you're it amazing. is. You're amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I and I pay costs like I'm a full headliner, even when some of my shows are not headliners. You know, these guys have to make a living, and if they've committed to me, then I want to give them something back. So it's it's a fortune. Then you have to pay for gas at six six miles a gallon, diesel, and then your um, bus driver. Actually, the bus drivers tend to be, in my experience the most diva and the most drama. I always say I'm the only female on the bus and I'm not the diva. <laughs> so you have to pay them about $300 a day, 350 if they pull a trailer, and you have to get them bedded down within an hour or two of arriving somewhere. If you arrive at 6 a.m., you can't always get into a hotel. You gotta pay for the hotel for the night before to get them bedded down. So, and then they have to sleep so long. Everything is around that bus driver's schedule because uh, the routing, you can't go more than so many miles or so many hours on the road, and then he has to stop and sleep for eight hours uninterrupted before he can get behind that wheel again. So if you've got a long trip, you have to plan for that or you have to get another bus driver to come in to trade off with him. So it gets very, very, very pricey. But you're, 
all that being said, you, as an artist, you're getting paid enough because you're you're the sometimes. You're, well, I mean, you're paying their salary. Yes. You know, it's all on you. You're you're the boss, so to speak. Right. You know, and you got all these people. How many people do you have total right now? You think? Uh, we have nine. Nine total. You know, that you're having to pay every day that you're out on the road yeah. and stuff. So that's amazing. But you're hopefully you're making enough money when you're playing the shows that that's covering those things and so you're able, still able to make a living to at least to some degree you're yeah, ma- you're, yeah. at a, you're at a sort of that pinnacle place of you know it yes. feels like of you're doing it but maybe just barely sometimes <laughs> if it yes, pays well and sometimes it falls upside down this is more of a ministry for me we do own our own business and yep. god has blessed that so much in the past few years it's so that we're able to do the things that we are doing if i yeah. see someone come through my line that is heartbroken I give them music because I'm not going to ask them to buy my music. They need it, right? And God gives that back. Uh, But yeah, on the road, there's different ways to make money. If you're a songwriter, you don't make as much money these days because of the streaming has really crippled the industry. We talked about that yesterday. Boy, that (laughs) songwriters now have to have second jobs because they can't live most of the time unless they have a number one hit every time on the charts. Merch, for an artist, merch tables are very important. And then you get paid for um, for singing and bringing your stuff. Sometimes it's just cutting even. I'm a spokesperson for Holt International, and so I'm very, very passionate about that. It took me years to find the right ministry. But they help with tours. They help provide some of the costs. They they're sponsors. Yes, they're yeah, sponsors. They help cover some of the costs for those types yeah. of things. And, um, you know, just like when you see all these banners up, for the festival, all these different, you know, festival foods and all these different things, they are, they're sponsoring these this event. So they're giving money to help put it on to help pay the artists to come and right. all that. So the proceeds can go to Dignity Revolution and those, all those yeah. types of things. And I own my own production and everything. So a lot of times I'll get on a headlining tour uh, because I have my production because they don't sometimes have it. So they they will pay pay me to bring my production and use my guys to set it up and all of that. And that's some way that we get money to pay my guys. Yep, that's awesome. Uh, we'll get it wrap up here. Any, one last question, anybody got one last question? Um, yes, yeah, please. Well, it's not really a question. Uh, I worked for a race car company, paid a lot of money, Wow. you know. Uh, they went belly up. And I said, what do I want to do now? I said, I'm going to be a sound guy. So it's been a lot of 10 years, basically. Wrap it up real quick, like. A couple months ago, I spent thousands of dollars. I told God, I said, uh, you really want me to go buy a sound system? He's like, yeah, buy a sound system. So now I'm 60. Long story short, I am booked solid through October. That's fantastic. So, that's yeah, great. Exactly. Fantastic. So you can do it. Doesn't matter how old or that's right. you are. Yep. You can do it. Yep, absolutely. I yep. have found in my life that God always calls you out when it's logically, when it doesn't make sense logically. He pulls you out whether it's age, whether it's some kind of circumstance. We always say, I don't have time. It's not the right time, God, but God knows exactly what he's doing. And so when he calls you out, don't worry about your age. Don't worry about your circumstance. He has something for you. Yeah. What would be, just as we wrap up, some advice, whether or not, you know, somebody's out here that's, like, he's a gentleman's doing, started a sound company, you know, got his own mm-hmm. stuff. But for people that are just interested in knowing, like, what is some advice that you would give 
people that are wanting to get into music or that are trying to do music and um, you know for a living and what are some do's and don'ts that you would tell people you know these are the things that you should do these are some things you should avoid maybe yeah so your very first thing like we've covered you have to do a website yep. and the next question out of anybody's mouth is I want to hear you music so you got to get something down something uh, it's a single world today what I mean by singles is single songs going to radio. It used to be a full album, which I'm old school. I like doing a full album. Me too. And so that's what I do, but that's not the norm. They'll do singles to radio, and then they'll create an EP, which has four or five songs on it, or they'll create an album once everything has gone to radio. So you don't have to do a full project that costs you 25000 or 50000 or however, however much it's going to cost for an album. Just get music done so that you have physical intellectual property to show people. Um, the next thing you can do is get video. We're, we live in a very visual world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So video is very important. Anything that you can show to sell yourself, sell your ministry in a very short amount of time within a minute. Um, then you've got to figure out how to get gigs in a band and so forth. PR is very important. Public relations. Management is very important. Booking agents are very important. But sometimes that doesn't come until you've proven yourself yep. with the, the basic foundation. Yep, doing it yourself until you've, until the point that you are so busy doing your, booking your own stuff and promoting your own, right. your own music that you need help and that you're, you're showing that you've proven yourself to the point that someone else sees like, oh, this person's got value in their music and what they're doing and they right. I can see that they need help and I believe in what they're doing. And then right. that's usually when a manager or promoter or somebody like that is gonna jump yeah. in and help. There's different roads. Um, that's the kind of the road, mine's backwards. The other way is, you know, you get a single and you've tried to get a radio promoter to get it to radio and it needs to be at the right time, the right song, the weather conditions have to be right. There's no rhyme or reason they haven't figured it out. But one thing that record labels do look at is YouTube. They look at YouTube, they look at social media, and if you have a, some kind of video that, that goes viral, that you have a million people looking at it, then they will be calling you. Mm -hmm. So it's a very grassroots, independent, indie market right now that anybody can get their attention through social media and YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks thank you, audience, me. for being here and hanging out. I'm so grateful for that. Would you please say thank you? And thank you all. Thank you so much. Y'all have a wonderful rest of the day. All right, guys. Well, there you go. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Natasha Owens today at Life Fest. Uh, what a great, great person that she is, and what a great conversation that we got to have. Such a unique thing that she gets to tour with a full touring production setup and tour bus and take a full crew out on the road. It's such a unique thing as an independent artist to get to do that kind of thing. So it's really encouraging. I hope you guys are able to take this and you can apply it to what you're doing, especially if you're an independent artist out on, out on the road touring around uh, and that it will give you something to aspire to, to get to do what she's doing. So thank you again for that. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And be sure to tell your friends about it. And I hope you're learning lots and lots and lots. Please let me know how things are going with you. And remember, Edenbrook Productions is here to help if you need consulting services via phone call, Skype, Zoom, or FaceTime. Be sure to let us know how we can help you begin to make a living in the music industry.